because any college or anything when students go one of the things they should keep in mind is that are you able to perform at your uh, you know at your uh, skill set or a limit are you challenged you have to be challenged you should if you once you start feeling comfortable at that point that's done over okay that's you you're not performing at your optimal thing you have to be challenged all the time Hey everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Contra Minds. In today's episode, we are in conversation with Dr. Annapurni Subramanian. Dr. Annapurni is the director of the Indian Institute of Astrophysics, Bangalore. Her research work focuses on star clusters, stellar evolution and population in galaxies, and Magellanic clouds. In this episode, Professor Annapurni speaks to us about her childhood fascination with the night sky, her thoughts on a long-term vision for scientific research in India, and balancing leadership and contributor roles in projects with grace and humility. If you enjoy the work we do at Contra Minds, give us a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also send us what you think via Twitter. Our handle is at Contra Minds. So, without further ado, here is our conversation with Dr. Annapurni Subramanian. Professor Annapurni Subramanian, thanks a ton for uh, joining our podcast and it's absolutely our privilege to have you as one of the special guests in this podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Looking forward to the conversation you both uh, Vignesh and Swami. Thanks a lot. You know, the first thing that I really got uh, quite interested was uh, the fact that, you know, coming from a small village in Palkard and you got interested in, uh, you know, stars and, you know, I, I, I kind of read that, uh, you know, and some in- interviews that you had given. So uh, what is so romantic for you about space? Uh, you know, people have been fascinated fascinated by this for years. Uh, so what makes it so interesting and dominant for you in terms of what it does to uh, our country? What, what does it do to the science that India is trying to build and becoming a space superpower? Yeah, an interesting point. Uh, <clears throat> I would rather call it as a, my passion rather than romance, but... Uh, I have been with it for quite some time and it drives me again crazy. I mean, just to tell you that I was, I mean, I was trying to solve something which I was, it was occurring to my mind and I could not take my uh, mind out of that particular problem. So that is what is passion about because, you know, if, if you give me five minutes break, I'll just go back to the problem and see whether it is working or not. So it, it is like that. It will not let me sleep. So that is what is passionate about. And I would not mind sending, I mean, uh, sitting whole through the night looking at it. I will not feel tired. I'm excited about it. So that is what is passion. And that is what has been driving me for the last uh, uh, 30 years or so. So uh, um, uh, I, I was growing up in Palakkad. And I think uh, uh, those days um, in, in the countryside, particularly, there were hardly any light pollution. So the light... Uh, the night sky is so nice, okay? And we had uh, frequent power cuts and Palakkad being very hot, you can't sit inside the house, you have to come out. 
and you have power cut there's no power as absolute pitch darkness nothing else to do you can't look at anywhere except look at the sky okay so you sit outside enjoy talking while talking you keep looking at the sky so you start watching things here there why is the pattern like this someone will say a story someone will say something else then you say okay let me go up and read up something about it and those days there's no internet you have to go to the library and pick up books and start reading it and you may get some information you may not get some information so whatever you get pick up and uh, try very hard to understand so i used to follow the constellations i used to say i used to know that which constellations comes at what time of the sky etc and all that so i used to be very very passionate about it even the night in the morning i used to get up and watch and uh, 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 also you know uh, there was halley's comet at that time so 1987 so that also drove me and particularly i was interested because uh, people would say no don't go and look at it because you know uh, uh, it's going to give you bring you some bad omen and bad luck and things like that so it's nothing like that why is it it's visible only sometime what happens to it what is it Uh, properties etc and i was a physics student of course you will ask questions so that is what a physics student is trained to do so i was very passionate about it and I, when i got a chance to do uh, a research in this topic and that's it that's that was my call so i just uh, took off and there's no stop to it and i still continue i mean as i said it is really i i'm really passionate about it so the thing which is uh, driving me passionate about it is also one more thing that you know uh, in any other topics you see it's like if you have to plot something you will say something is known and then you take that known to unknown okay and then you try to solve it but in astron astro astrophysics and astronomy it's actually an unknown versus unknown so there's so much of unknown out there and uh, you have to keep an open mind and go out go out and do it so that uh, it it'll put you in completely uh, uh, totally uh, uncomfortable unknown scenario and then you have to come up and solve it and that has to be uh, fitting into the you know framework of physics and mathematics so that's something really challenging and that really uh, drives me passionate about it and the other thing is uh, astronomy also drives the uh, science and technology for that matter to the limits because you're taking it to the unknown regime you you will be demanding something which is not known and people will be asking you why the heck do you want this precision or you know why accuracy or whatever you, you why do you want to do this i mean there's nothing you don't you don't really want it otherwise but this drives you to a completely different regime which uh, brings a lot of uh, a, a, i mean advantage to the society and community but it's not you know it's not an overnight or immediate uh, uh, returns so astronomy is not immediate returns it is like slogging and but over a time scale it is like you know you're sowing the seed now you have to let that uh, uh, i mean it is uh, let it uh, uh, sprout grow and then nourish and then it will give a lot of fruits but you need to wait so it is not like you put a, a so a seed right now and tomorrow you'll get fruits no that's not it's not an overnight thing it's 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 something which takes and even the projects in astronomy for that matter takes ages any telescope project jwst is launched now how long it took so you know it's not like even if you build a software it not it's not going to be implemented tomorrow so <laughs> you can't see the light so it is it's a completely it's it's a kind of a different ball game but it's uh, it's it's really challenging and uh, uh, i mean i'm passionate about it so uh how 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 did you uh, you know something you got passionate about when you were very young 
and today you are a recognized uh, expert globally in astrophysics. So what is the route that you took to convert your passion into being an expert? So what is it that you did over years that allowed you to become so good in what you do? So what is it that you did, which I think would be interesting to hear? It's difficult to put it in words, but uh, 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 let me start by saying that, uh, uh, okay, when I started doing research, I had no idea what I wanted to do research on. So you start with uh, working with a guide and then the guide, you know, takes you through a journey where you, you, the most important thing during a PhD is a training period and it gives you opportunity to explore and understand and find more in, uh, find the area in which you would like to pursue more. Okay, so it's a uh, it, there's a lot of topics. You can start with sun. Uh, you can go to, to study stars, galaxies, or a theoretical. You could do experimental. All options are open. And I did my PhD at the Indian Institute of Astrophysics. And that the most the important aspect of this particular institute is that we have large variety of people working in large variety of topics. So you can go and talk to anyone, pick up whichever one you are interested in. So that freedom is here. So once I started working on, I realized that I like to work on stars and their evolution. So how they evolve, understanding how to, uh, 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 because, you know, stars uh, uh, are born and they die. But once human lifetime is not enough to study the whole lifetime of that, right? You won't see it. So you are in a blip of a, a, maybe a, a fraction of a second in the lifetime. So what happens is, how do you understand that? And there are so many nuances, so many physics goes into into the star. So... How do you sit very far away and then try to understand how they form, evolve, or the fundamental physics behind it, right? So that was very interesting. So I took it up. But beyond certain, uh, after a certain time, like I have not stuck to one topic. I just keep moving to other topics as well. So I've worked on many topics. So uh, whenever I find that, you know, a question, a science question comes, and I think that I, I feel that it's important to be addressed, then I pick up tools, pick up techniques, move on and try to address that particular problem. And it, I do not know exactly what is driving me, but you, you will plan in the morning. I'm a planning freak because I have limited time in hand and I need to do a thing. So before I come to office, I, there in my, my mind, this has to be done. But you know what happens if you are very interested in a topic, just like I said before, your mind is very difficult to control. You, the, you, you will go to that problem and start solving it. And after a couple of hours, I realized that, look, I, this was not supposed, I was supposed to do. I was supposed to do something else. So I put my head to it. No, it will not go. So, you know, certain topics are like that. So I have understood such topics and I know that it, I, I can't help it. I have to put my significant of time on that particular topic. So that is how things, it's been driving me. So I do jump from topic to topic, depending upon what science question I feel has to be addressed. And uh, hence, I continue. So um uh, it's not that i uh, 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 there are many other reasons why i cannot still continue on one because we have limited resources because if i want to have a science question which requires much more resources i can't get it also so there will be several science questions whichever is possible to solve i take it up and move forward so maybe that's the reason why um uh, i've been uh, continuing and you know i've been able to contribute in multiple fields as well so talk to me about uh... You know, the evolution of stars, that's something that, uh, you know, I also read uh, whenever, uh, you know, whatever little research that we did, uh, you actually said uh, a very interesting statement. You said stars are 
great nuclear combinations, right? So you talked about it saying that the amount of elements it throws out, the, uh, you know, how it evolves, how it dies. This is something that, uh, you know, uh, that you talk about. So uh, what what is it that helps you, uh, you know, study it? And what is it that, you know, we can learn out of this? And therefore, what impact does it have on discovery and science in a topic like this? Yeah, so... Um, um... See, basically, universe is uh, uh, is our lab, right? Because everything is around us and you need to understand how they are formed, etc. A little bit of things are very close to you so that you can go and touch them and, you know, do the experiment. But most of it is beyond your touch. So you need to uh, somehow uh, uh, smartly gather information from them to, you know, infer what is going on there. So the very beginning thing is the elements, the material, the matter around you. So how did it form? So when you look at that, Big Bang did not produce all those elements. So how do the elements form? And the, those elements are extremely required for the solar system to have formed, the Earth to have formed, and the life in that had to be formed, right? So who made all these elements? So when you, uh, when you ask these questions, then, uh, I mean, very important uh, research happened in the last century, understanding nuclear fusion and how elements are made. So... Uh, we now understand that after all this understanding nuclear physics, everything, uh, we now understand that the, uh, uh, the inside the stars are basically uh, uh, nuclear reactors. So there the elements are formed. And these elements, how do we know they are forming the elements? I mean, the first one is the sun, where the hydrogen, uh, two, uh, uh, four hydrogen actually, fused to become a helium nuclei. And that is what is happening there. And uh, uh, we know it, uh, uh, I mean, from the energetics point of view, we concluded that at the beginning, but then we now also detect neutrinos, which are basically the out, uh, products of the uh, fusion, which is basically the uh, proof of it. And now when also we see the new, the supernovae explode, we see the material which is processed coming out. But that's a, these are the extremes, but when there are the smaller stars which don't explode supernovae, but then they eventually throw the material out into the interstellar medium. So basically, the stars are the manufacturing plants of all these elements we see. And, uh, uh, and also, it depends on, uh, like, when before the solar system was formed, how many stars lived and polluted the environment that is contributing to how, what we have right now. And that is very local. It may not be the same everywhere. So uh, um, uh, uh, we have, uh, I mean, I study the nearby galaxies to study how the chemistry is, you know, uh, across the galaxy, etc. So it, basically what the astrophysics is a very big puzzle. So you have to put in, you know, small, small pieces here and there to, uh, to stitch together a story. So if it was one missing link is there, it is, you sometimes assume, but that assumption has implications on it. Uh, so coming to what I did for my thesis was, uh, uh, I mean, to give you a very simple example, if you look at the sun, sun's picture, you can see something like boiling uh, gas kind of a thing, right? So uh, that is because the outer part of the sun is convective. Like when you boil water in a kettle, after some time, you know, you can start bubbles coming out. So you can imagine the kind of gas, uh, very hot gas bubbling. So that is what is happening in the surface of the sun. Now, if you look at more, but the inside, the uh, uh, they're all gas. So all stars are 
glass blobs okay so this gas which is actually going up and down is what you're seeing in the sun outside but inside the gas is not uh, bubbling like that but in slightly more massive stars the outside doesn't bubble the inside bubbles yeah so it is slightly different because how the temp how the energy is produced it depends on that so when the inner inside is bubbling then your mixing is to be taken care of. so whatever process you have inside or wherever the physics has to con uh, i mean take care of all these processes to you know to predict how much is the energy production what is how much reaction is taking place how much this has got this much of matter how much it will uh, last as a star so all these calculations one has to do so my work was to find out how much of mixing is happening in the interior to figure out uh, that much of mixing will depend on you know uh, your uh, the hydrogen is being converted to helium now if you have more hydrogen which can be mixed then you will have more uh, time to convert into helium so basically the age matters and the 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 core of what what were it, it when when it is the sun becomes a red giant it has got an inner helium core that mass of the core is de uh, decides how much is the lifetime beyond that so what's the lifetime of sun so it is uh, 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 right now it is about 4.5 billion years so this is like a middle age for it so uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay interesting yeah. for 4.5 billion years yeah 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 so uh, it will it live a lot more than that so this is the age as we know uh, for the sun yes so sun like stars live for very long time this is really long yeah but if you look at very very massive stars uh, 20 times the mass of the sun etc or 25 times it will uh, live only 1000 of the uh, less than 1000 times the 1 million year or to 10 million years to 20 million years it lives so uh, it it's a very short life span so the numbers in astronomy some astronomy and astrophysics is something which is completely i mean people <laughs> it takes time to understand yeah times all the units like time scales the length scales everything becomes really really difficult to yeah it is gets stretched quite a bit right so just to if i like if i can just zoom zoom out for a little bit uh if you look at the way the talent moves in today's world historically if we have seen some of the best young minds and some of the most seasoned uh or experienced uh, researchers end up at a small cluster of institutions predominantly in the west right so even at the heart of the ligo project was somewhere with mit with reno wise and all those things so you have very distinguished uh, scientific research practices taking place at these uh, small network of universities at harvard mit caltech all these sort of places so from your vantage point given that today you are the director of the indian institute of astrophysics uh my question is you know what might be some short term and long term strategies that you would recommend where we also have certain institutions in india for example uh operating at that level of reputation scientific excellence and research opportunities and and a and a hot house for talent in a certain sense yeah so uh see the um the most important thing is uh, um you 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 have to be able to take on ambitious stuff okay in the mind as well as in the practice like in terms of experiments so as i said 
there is if you want to uh, do something which is like the cutting edge you have to push it to the limits and you have to challenge everything you have and we, we the framework over here it is not allowing us to do that because uh, in institutions i am in india like particularly like the government institutions you have to follow so many norms so many things by the time you really want an instrument to be built someone would have built it and done it and you know dusted over we it's very difficult to push projects through and yeah and uh, uh, you know it, it that is with respect to experiments but even if see now uh, see what happened like you know some 30 years back and how science is done these years are different now the the whole concept or rather you know you you need large uh, network to do and large group of people to work together seamlessly and when you are mixing or rather talking to people across the institutions and you the kind of participation you need to do you need to have resources that much with you as well and access to things is still a problematic stuff as i mentioned i uh, mentioned earlier access to instruments access to bigger telescopes we don't have so if i find a pro problem which i need to be pursuing i need to go and collaborate with somebody and then take it forward and then pursue it it is it is not very easy so you have to other you know access some in instrumentation or some facility outside or you have to have the facility within the country or set it up okay so um, uh, the institution building as such you need to have people who can actually uh, 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 either you have you create or nourish and build very very uh, uh, um, uh, what do you say um, challenging minds or bright minds which can solve it but you can very well see it people drain off to certain you know pockets that is because you are able to uh, um, do what you want to do there and challenge it to much higher level because any college or anything when students go one of the things they should keep in mind is that are you able to perform at your uh, you know at your uh, skill set or uh, uh, limit are you challenged you have to be challenged you should if you once you start feeling comfortable at that point that's done over okay that's you you're not performing at your optimal thing you have to be challenged all the time the environment has to challenge you all the time but that that doesn't happen here so is it a challenge of what you said first which is having an ambitious uh, you know uh, goal versus lack of resources or is it uh, both how what do you what do you see as uh, a fundamental problem see i i don't think we we lack Uh, uh talent i don't think we lack ambition but converting the talent and the ambition to reality and completing the the fruitfulness is lacking beat in any place i think i i think it's it happens in industry everywhere this is the problem because you are not able to uh, i mean it, it involves certain amount of risk certain amount of things to shortcut because you don't know how to do it look at the it's 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 not impossible but then you just need to make sure that yes i want to do it and you uh, and everything else should support you in that in diva that doesn't happen right is it but but just to 
follow up on that would you would you say it because we are more of an up we have a historical tendency if i might say uh to uh, really have young people focus on applied sciences more than pure sciences because uh, if you look at it a lot of uh, the, the common narr- the common narrative is that every young person should strive to become an engineer if you're talking about non biology related fields hey you should go to software engineering hey you should be an electrical engineer so do we have a craze or a monomania within the country where we are valuing applied sciences more than pure sciences um i i i'm not quite sure about it because we do have talent people who even if we some I mean if you look at some fraction of the people who are in academia who have come back to basic sciences after doing engineering okay they've identified that this is my talent and people who want to do go and do an engineering in iit or something like that go ahead to do a phd in basic sciences and continue to do a B, uh, basic that's that's not stopping them but what i'm trying to say is that uh, the um, um uh, the institution building it requires to retain people very bright people here and challenge it and do it so uh, the 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 how you go about doing it is a bit different here compared to how it is done Uh, uh, outside so there is a big difference there and earlier you know we we had i think in uh, i think f- more than 50 years back we had terrific people in the country who were doing excellent science cv raman uh, sn bose jc bose everybody so they they were there were a lot of people they could do it they could drive it but that's not happening now so basic sciences need a, li- a lot more push and as i earlier said also the uh, the way it is done then you could actually independently or single handedly you could drive things there but right now it is not it's not like that it is like you know the ligo the gravitational wave detection the huge number of people involved in it but i'm glad that lot of in- i mean there was a big indian co- uh, contribution to it but not in everything like the imaging of black hole we we were not part of it we don't have any facilities in that wavelength range to contribute to it so it is you don't that like uh, you know it's like i i i sometimes relate what i do with my uh, what i learned in singing also like my father used to tell me that you need to practice every day it's not that you're going to have concert every next day but somebody comes and asks you for a concert you can't say hey hello hold on i have to practice and come back for your concert you can't say that similarly if some some progress is suddenly happening in the terms of science science and basic discoveries you need to have your resources ready you can't say that hold on you can't discover now let me you know bring up my resources up, up then then we will discover that that doesn't happen is do you do you think this is happening because people who let's call them the money people and not the you know whatever they are right do you think people who hold who who are allocating these resources uh, are they short sighted or do they not see potential or do you think that they are investing in something that they think will bring a better roi for something else why do you think this is happening no that is because you don't have a long term plan because planning is very important so what is that you are planning for if you just plan for a few years it's not enough you need to plan for 20 10 years 20 years what is your long term vision and then fix your each and every step to reach that vision 
okay you you have to you cannot predict what happens in the next 30 years that doesn't mean you can you can't plan you have to plan and also keep modifying it as and when you climb up right because the international scenes scene keep changing but you have to have a plan and work towards it and this normally happens in the us the other nations also have this decadal vision we don't have such decadal visions so give me an example of uh, a decadal vision that uh, you have seen uh, seen it work so can you give us an example for us to visualize how they thought about it 10 15 years or 20 years back and how the fruition of that thinking is is benefiting uh, you know the us or any other country can you give me give us a example yeah so jwst which is launched now uh, it was supposedly a precursor for uh, the sorry the next one for the uh, this thing hst so hubble space telescope was launched in 1990s there were a lot of uh, uh, the repair uh, 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 missions carried out and some of the instruments got changed as well so it is working for 30 years now in this, uh, it's in a low earth orbit but it's 30 years is quite a bit bit of time so the the, the next one in the infrared was planned in the middle of uh, uh, 2000 i think or i think early 2000 itself but there were a lot of delays and a lot of uh, um, uh, the costless escalation was quite a bit and the detectors they bought uh, did not work and you know they have to buy a lot more things and all sorts of things. The, uh, there are serious problems with uh, the power arrays and things like that, the solar arrays and etc. But in the last decadal survey, they had uh, uh, rated it high and pumped in, decided that no, it, is, it should be done. They decided it in, uh, because the scientific community felt that it has to be done at a higher priority. Then the funding goes to that because it's, this, uh, it's the decadal vision puts it as the highest priority. So once you once the scientific community, it's a very uh, detailed uh, review process goes on, and then once you have it, you once the scientific community says that this is what it should be done, then the funding agencies uh, uh, support it, and then you move on to that uh, uh, doing that. So there's a huge amount of responsibility on the scientific community as well. It's very highly competitive, so it is it it is good for both sides, right? Because you know, you have to push someone to think to bring it to the to the uh, to the uh, the country to the international scene, and then uh, push it forward. So you have to be at the top of the world, right? So, so and then once you are convinced, and the every even the referee and all the the the, the committee for the decadal vision, it's a big committee reviewing everything. So they are also convinced. Then the funding agencies have lesser problems in going through all these reviews, etc. Right? And then the funding comes in and they, they will have, they will look at various things like what is, how the country will develop, how the technology in the country will develop, how other industry partnerships in the country will develop, everything they will look at. So apart from, you know, how the execu- execution of the project, etc. So that, that is now oh, completed and now it is this, uh, put on orbit. Now, the other thing which was uh, held, uh, given top priority, but which it could not complete was the 30-meter telescope, but India is a partner to it. So hopefully we will uh, see the light because the the NSF, sorry, the decadal 2020 is uh, uh, kept, uh, given it higher priority. So I think this process is very important and that gives you a long-term vision. And that, like as I said, you know, you, you will be prepared and you will know that where the internationally things are moving 
are you way behind or are you you know you, are you going to compete in this direction are you going to put your resources in this direction if yes why so everybody will be convinced by that so i i think something like that is really important to keep up the you know uh, the uh, uh, resources and re- uh, uh, keeping us ready to be uh, uh, doing discoveries in uh, the contemporary fields or upcoming areas so that's what i feel great uh, so uh, which brings me uh, to one question you talked about the 30 meter telescope and uh, i want to talk about the complexity of missions that you have been involved in which is you know the in in these kinds of missions there is a whole diverse team that works right so therefore uh, what was interesting to me was in one project you are a leader in another project you are a calibration scientist in another project you are a software programmer so how do you really look at uh, you know working in such diverse fields and at one point you are an individual contributor at the other mission you are probably a leader so the principle of interoperability of roles how do you really uh, you know uh, prepare for it and what is important in your uh, you know in your experience for people to get ready ready to actually you know uh, play these roles as uh, you know as we get into large projects yeah i i, I would i would say from what where i am now because thinking back i how i did it i don't know but then you know thinking back i can tell you one thing which i've always felt is that uh, um um when it becomes a role uh, when you take up a role i i tend to identify what are my roles and responsibilities not as a person but as a uh, you know uh, that particular part so i play that part so it's very important for you to identify that so it may be a mem- like in a in a committee if it's a member you do it if it's a member secretary you have to do something else if it's a, a chair of the committee then you, the way you think through is very different so uh, i i identify that role and then i identify the, the i mean uh, as a physics person i have uh, certain questions every time i take up something i i have it in my mind certain questions so i keep answering those questions saying that okay is it there is it correct is it am i doing the right thing so things like that but uh, um, adaptability to from one to the other um i think for um, for me as a person uh, um and also uh, uh, having different hats at at home and at work uh, it uh, balances me quite well and i have elders i have to talk to elders i have to talk to uh, younger people i have to talk to uh, my own age group you know it it's it brings out a lot of balance and uh, um and uh, uh I also have uh, people who are very I mean like uh, my parents are vocalists and they are really achievers and uh, they're very very down to earth people so that grounds you know puts me down to the ground saying that nothing doing so uh, and nobody we we don't uh, 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 glorify things if it's a mistake it's a mistake it's said on face so it's nothing like you know you don't you don't fly on something like a small achievement nothing so whenever you do something okay it's done now you look forward to more things so the bar is always raised high so uh, so that kind of an environment you puts you to just do the work and also make sure that you complete what you've taken up so that that is something which i've learned and uh, 
actually in, in the 30 meter telescope i was not a programmer i hardly know any software i mean the sense that i'm a user but i was the project manager in the sense that i was heading from the indian side the um the observatory um uh, control software uh, team so observatory software team actually so um, of course i needed to know certain aspects of software whether they are heading towards okay or not but um yeah i was leading the team it's, it's it's something which i did for 4 5 years and i really enjoyed it but once i took over as the director i, I handed over to somebody else so it's interesting uh, it's interesting what you say is that you actually pick up things that you become uncomfortable with and then you then start raising the bar that seems to be yeah. one principle that uh, you know that uh, you know uh, apologies for saying you know it's a programmer kind of a thing but i think the fact that you picked yeah, up no, 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 uh, uh, but if you pick up say a software programming kind of a lead, leadership role then uh, you are actually doing something which you are not comfortable with comfortable but then you learn so much that then you give that back in some other project so absolutely. i think that's something that i'm seeing as a common thread in what you're talking right absolutely that's right because uh, whenever i i when, when i i do things where there is a learning uh, component there always take up something which there is a learning component there even if i'm pushed the wall i have no time left but i find something is quite interesting and i want to learn that i will do it so one of the other things that uh, i think there was an article that i had read where you were talking about this thing called astro tourism so yeah. can you talk a little bit about what is astro tourism what potential does it hold and how can at least you know we be a pioneer in that field so uh, that's an interesting topic which i think india is uh, lagging behind uh, we need to do that uh, but it it has got to it's a win win situation basically because uh when i give talks to students particularly when i say that i grew up and i was fascinated by the night sky with seeing so many stars and now nowadays it's just not there it's just robbed away from us it is there who says it's not there it is very much there but it is robbed away from us and do you need to light up the sky like this and destroy the night sky no it's not required so the point is uh, if you go to interior places and you look up where you have to identify pockets where there's no light pollution and go there and look up at the sky and then say oh my god it's so beautiful it's so pretty you know that's something which which is like so fascinating and it tells you that you are one speck out there like you know it's like you know the the recenting of uh, lifting off to the uh, the larger the upper atmosphere and seeing the earth from above it's something it's a very very a different kind of an experience so here also looking at so many stars in the sky is a very different experience now that can be done only in certain places now many places you have to identify and go people go there and with the digital equipments people are able to capture the uh, night sky beautiful pictures so it's an enjoyment it's something which is, uh, uh, is something we should know where we are and we have observatories and these observatories we try to maintain dark sky and the one which we are trying to do right now is in hanle hanle is uh, um, at uh, is in ladakh ut ladakh and uh, this uh, place is an observatory we set it up in 2000 uh, in 2000 so 1995 onwards we started building it up and 2020 onwards we are operating a 2 meter class telescope there and it is at a height of 4500 meters above sea level and it's a very harsh conditions 
uh, oxygen level is about, uh, I think, uh, around half, 50%, 60%. So one has to take care to go there and observe, observe etc. And the sky is, is just magic. If you go there in the daytime, it's like you will not see anything. And once the sun sets, it's magic. It's full of stars. So the, uh, the now, after, in the last uh, four or five years, people have been traveling there and uh, the uh, Himalayan region to capture the sky, you know, uh, enjoy the sky and take pictures, etc. So tourism uh, and these people over there also, uh, there are a lot of uh, uh, homestays and they also run the facilities, etc. But we have to save the sky. We cannot let it pollute. But at the same time, tourism also has to happen. So this is a project to give empower the community and make, give them understanding about the sky, give them train them equipments, and also they will enjoy the sky. Let the their guests also enjoy the sky, and we also will be able to do our scientific experiments there. So these astro tourism is to uh, and also integrate the local uh, things. You know, it is important that we had a lot of stories, a lot of songs, a lot of uh, um, all the traditions which are associated with the nature. And they're all forgotten now. People do, I, I mean, I don't think the youngsters know when the, uh, the mango flowers come, you know, is there are seasons for everything. And then uh, 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 to a lot with the sky also, like, you know, when the Orion comes in the West, when do the uh, Milky Way uh, galaxy, uh, it comes, center, Milky Way Center comes up in the sky. So when does it happen? So these are some things which should be, you know, you, you should feel it, but then it's completely lost. So these are kind of efforts with the local uh, uh, um, local understanding of the sky, the stories, the uh, 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 whatever tradition they have, and bring it together. So people understand that and also connect more with the nature and the science at the same time. So this is an effort in that direction. Right. And speaking of local, uh, the IAA has an initiative which I found very fascinating, uh, which is that uh, uh, the IAA's uh, initiative where scholars are giving talks in vernacular languages on astrophysics. Uh, so I was seeing a post where somebody was giving talks in Canada and things like that. So I have a two-part question on this, which is number one, what are your thoughts on the public communication of science and what kind of impact would you like to imagine this course of this kind of discourse is creating in India? Yeah, see, science communication has taken a big boost recently. And uh, um, I mean, previously people used to talk, but then suddenly you somehow do not know how to communicate with people. So someone comes and asks me, how am I doing? Then I have to take a step back and how do I explain it to you? So it has become like that. And it is not right, right? Because as someone asked me, what is that? You get excited to a certain level. After that, it, the connect is lost. So that connect, we have to rebuild. That they have to, We have to bridge that gap. And uh, uh, so these scholars, when we, they come, they are they're into the details of everything, okay? So it is not easy for them to take, just, just lift off and say that, okay, overall, can I explain to a layman how to do that? So... We have certain initiatives to every publication the student publishes has to write up a story on that so that anybody can understand that it is not easy at all so to you know to come to that level and do it but it's it's important but again that is only in english 
Now, how about people? Not everybody will be reading it in English or listening to it in English, etc. You'd like to talk in local languages and convey the uh, excitement in that. So it is much more difficult in that. So we are right now, uh, I think uh, we have a good team of people who are working on the outreach and science education. So we have a team called SCOPE, which works for science communication, outreach and education. And uh, today we had a talk on uh, Gujarati, I think. Yeah. So there are passionate people who are willing to talk in various languages. And uh, uh, it's an initiative and we have started in a few months. It is going really well. If you look, look at it in YouTube also, it's, there are not too many uh, languages. And we also are now putting up all this calendars, events, etc. everything in multiple languages. So people will be able to understand and uh, 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 relate to it. So it's basically, you know, you have a, uh, you have created a gap and that gap has to be bridged at all, um, at all levels. So if you want to go to an interior Karnataka and want to talk, you have to talk in Canada. So it's very important. And also relate to all, and, you know, people of all ages. That's also important. So yeah, this is an initiative in that direction. Hopefully it will go further. Yeah, no, I'm, I absolutely love it. And I think I'm a fan of it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, so, um, as a follow-up to this question, uh, when you do it in languages, what impact does it have on, uh, you know, on people taking it, taking up, uh, uh, you know, taking interest in this area, or what impact does it have when you do it in languages? See, one is uh, awareness itself, and second is, uh, um, see, well, I mean, I must also tell you that you know we are doing it in YouTube right now, but. People have to have access to YouTube to listen to this. Okay. But in general, you have to go to the community and then talk to them. Okay. So there are two things to do it. One, uh, awareness is very important. And uh, second is uh, inspiring the young minds who are there in the remote areas. So it is very important. Like people uh, uh, people in the cities, they information is at their fingertips. There's too much of information at the fingertip right now because to you have to figure out you have to be smart enough to sort out what is you need and to what you don't need right but i think the younger generation is smart enough uh so uh, uh the um uh, in the on the other hand it is important to accept everybody the opportunity the you know the uh, uh, the uh, availability of uh, resources across or at least awareness that such a, such, a, such a thing is available for them educating them and also say that showing them a roadmap that this is possible how you can do it so engaging in the conversation so that that has helped so we also run several things in, uh, in the observatory near villages near the observatory in Hanley where the students of uh, uh, basically, the uh, the community over there. What happens is there are villages are being established now, but since the uh, the grazing area keeps changing as a fun, uh, as a uh, throughout the year, gets frozen, etc. Nomads they actually take their cattle or their grazing sheep, etc., and move on, move around. So they're not staying in one place as such. The group, large group groups of nomads. Now in the last few years, they are trying to settle down. But what they do is the children don't get educated. So there are many schools where they leave the children behind and the, the elderly people move around with their um, you know, uh, sheep. 
so we try to educate them the students and then give them roadmap etc that's what we are trying to do there given that you have achieved so much uh, uh, one question that i wanted to ask you is uh, obviously a lot of people look up to you and uh, uh, therefore what are the great qualities a mentor should have and who are the mentors for you who changed your life and career okay let me first answer the first one the mentors who changed my uh, path there are a few of them uh, first one is the uh, a teacher actually he was a retired teacher he was giving tuitions in the uh, village where i was i grew up uh, we used to call him murthy sir okay so he was my neighbor and uh, i clearly remember um, till fourth standard i was studying in malayalam medium and fifth standard my uh, father realized that okay maybe uh, you should change to english medium because you know it is important for your growth and things like that they my parents are both musicians but then he said no 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 it's important that you move to english medium i said fine i'll do it but then i didn't know the consequences just going into english medium and reading everything in english i had no idea what's going on so the only thing which i could survive was mathematics <laughs> and probably hindi nothing else i could survive so i was kind of devastated i was stopping the class till fourth and fifth i am no nowhere what is going on so then he called up and said no 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 it's the right move just hang on you will work hard and then he helped me with certain things and i was also very scared of that person but he helped me and then i kind of stabilized and that is one instant where he supported me and second is he used to give tuitions to 10th standard so i i ended up rolling up i mean enrolled in a tuition class i was i studied in a government school i should say that and this is a girl, girls government school where uh, the divisions used to go till m n o p yeah so you large number of students so very very large number of students there are only one division for english so there's a lot of girl students but it's a government school i think it's one of the largest schools in kerala to uh, 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 with the largest number of girl students appearing for 10th exams so uh, it it was such a school uh, so i because this okay the teaching is uh, average in school you'll have to learn separately so was happening but he was really passionate about things he will scream at you and shout at you for making a mistake it's not because of anything else he knows that you can do it but you're not able to do it and he's not able to control it so he was really passionate about it so when somebody does good he he, he used to be very happy about it so uh, so we worked hard and then i think i i did well in 10th and then the next person was that uh, i i and in the in when i was doing in the degree program sorry in the a college um i had two options one to proceed the music way or to take up science and i always it used to go up and down all the time so i wasn't sure whether to continue science or you know i have the capacity to continue in science or only continue in music so sometimes when you don't you're not very uh, things are not going well or you know you're, you're not having any interest interesting thing happening so the interest kinds of comes down so one of his lecturers in uh, bsc uh, i think was that uh, he actually uh, challenged our thinking like in one of the thing is like uh, when you have an experiment to be conducted and the we copy the experiment picture from the guide to the records right so that's what we do if we copy it exactly he will shout at us saying that nothing doing just because that guy has drawn like that you are drawing exactly like this 
you have to use your way of doing it for that matter we had a potentiometer which is 10 meter the thing will draw four lines it is like symbolic so we all draw four lines is it either one line or you draw 10 lines why are you drawing four so like that he used to question so that really kicked us see then we we actually every time you do it you think about it and then you do it so that was he was his name is sudarshan sir i think he passed away a few years back but he was an i mean he was not a t- great teacher but then he drove us uh, in this in this way to think about it that is how i realized that physics is interesting because still then i nobody stirred my uh, you know excitement and challenge to do it so that was very challenging then i said nothing doing i'm going to move, move, moving forward so uh, he was a really turning point the sec- the thing about when i mentor students is uh, what i look for is that i have mentored a lot of students i um, i i i as i as, as you noticed earlier i also have to learn so every student i make sure that the student learns and i also learn something from the student and from the project number 1 2 each one is different each one has a different capacity different aptitude different way of doing things handling things it is important as a mentor to identify that and nurture it so and give uh, important to identify where they need support and give that support so for me uh, that is the most if for a phd students first one year i do that and make sure that they run the show next so uh, i have to know what exactly um, are their uh, thing so i learned from them and they, this is how they are and then they support them and i do not use the same yardstick for everybody each one is different each one has different capability i think probably i learned it from my kids both are very different i have two kids and they are very different i i, I can't use a same thing for approach for both so yeah uh so we're coming to some closing questions uh, so i'll ask the first question uh Uh, what does the word successful mean to you um yeah i don't know i think uh, I, that's a very um, uh, question which will have different answers depending upon when you ask a person during their career or during their life but as of now i would say that as long as i can i continue to do what i want to do in my life and uh, uh, i get uh, uh, i mean I, i get the resources and uh, things like that done so i'm uh, as long as i can do that i'm very happy and that is what is success about because i have identified my passion identified it i am able to pursue it and continue doing it and excel at it so that i consider it as passion sorry uh, success yeah uh my next question is uh, what are some of the books that have influenced you the most for the course of your life and career i can't quite answer that question but uh, um there are certain profoundness which has uh, uh, hit me gore vidal's creations that is something which is uh, it's an amazing book it talks about all the uh, history actually it's a novel but then the the kind of information flows through it is uh, uh, amazing but i also should tell you one more thing that i i try to not to read long books but short things but i learn something from it whatever i learn i have to learn something carry with me something from it even a conversation i want to carry something from it so that 
and uh, not able to i don't normally read big books i read small books and i also i read uh, um, sudhamurthy's uh, stories they have a lot of takeaways my next question is uh, if you were to give advice say three or four things to an 18 year old at a university what are the three pieces of advice that you would give um one is all topics are interesting you just you need to find out what is what you what is what interests you and identify your passion and work hard there is no escape route hard work is the sole answer everybody is working hard so you have to work hard be passionate about it and challenge yourself hard work is important challenge yourself once you start feeling comfortable and uh, you are able to do it that means you're not challenged so find something which will challenge you great uh, my next question is if you could invite four guests for your dream dinner who would they be and why uh-huh. i would have one by one by one because i would not be able to talk to everyone together <laughs> so uh one is sudhamurthy i think she is a very very inspiring person very simple and very inspiring person so i really i'd like to have to talk to her and uh one person from uh uh, uh music is if i could talk to shamangudi srinivas ayer i would have done it it's uh, he's an amazing uh, singer and uh, um and uh, in science yeah again if i could talk to cv raman at some time so that would have been nice to talk to him to figure out how things worked so yeah great uh, what is uh, one best piece of advice someone has ever given you two things i would say one is uh, my dad is not an advice he 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 just does things like uh, he sings every day in the evening uh for the last few years but otherwise he sings at home as a child he used to sing get up in the morning and sing he will sing uh, he's not he's a teacher he's not a concert guy but then he would sing he would keep singing okay if i do i i i play with him i practice with him and nowadays i'm not able to do that but uh, for a lot, lot of years i used to sit with him and practice if i don't practice with him he'll say today gone one day gone that's it that that's so much in it that particular statement okay it basically says that the time lost you can't take it back whatever you do you can't take back so you have to make sure what you do with your time what you, if it is lost one hour lost lost you can't you can't take it back so decide so that puts a lot of pressure on you okay you have to decide what do you want to do you are you lost lost one one hour so it drives me crazy and second thing is again sudhamurthy is uh, saying i don't quite remember what exactly it is but it says that whatever situation it is you may be in a disadvantageous situation but identify the advantage of that and make use of it so whatever situation it may be disadvantageous to you but then try to identify what is uh, the best what you can do at that time and take advantage of that that situation may not arise and that vantage point we will not get so i think these two are uh, quite a bit of uh, intertwined into my uh, the way i do things 
my next question to you is uh, what is something that you believe in that nobody else agrees with you on hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. ah that's that's quite difficult see one sometimes I, i'm uh, 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 i maybe sometimes i mean it's a combination of discipline and uh, uh, um, planning it's not agree but people find it a bit uh, uh, hard to cope up with <laughs> so di- so, uh, so discipline and planning is it yeah it's execute you say if i if i if i want to do some things even if i just go be, go to kitchen and cook something even before that i would have planned what time i will do what i will i mean it's in the in, in the mind i would have done it and then I, i stick to that and that becomes a bit of a uh, it's good i'm not saying people don't agree to it but it's uh, yeah and sometimes you're on a vacation and you start planning and it, what do you mean you can you should be able to do what do you want why do you want to plan it so <laughs> so but that that that's something which is probably i'm not able to get let go of it you you kind of heard contramans you listened that's what you told me so my yeah. last question really is uh who's a guest that you would like to see featured in contramans you could uh, i don't know but uh it'll be nice to listen to uh kasturi rangan okay he has written a book recently on space i think it's a space physics i got the title but then i've been reading through it it's a lot of intense a lot of intense stuff so uh and he has touched a lot of different aspects for a person to uh uh, uh wear a lot of different hats and at at the top it's not easy so it'll be nice to uh, I I don't know but it's it's it'll be good to hear. Uh and also I I there are uh like what you have done in uh in the previous one it was very nice on the knowledge uh, uh management in NASA. You could talk to someone um in ISRO as well. Uh I mean uh, Kasurangan was there but then you could also talk to uh Kiran Kumar because that that that'll bring out something which is not known to other people so how things work that that will be uh, that will be nice i think great thanks a lot it was a absolutely fantastic conversation more importantly i think uh, you touched upon so many soft things uh, which i think we miss most often because some conversations uh, are very transactional i think uh, there's a checklist of things that people say but uh, many of the points that you made uh, were very very soft things but they have a hard impact on what it does to you and what it does when you really think about it uh, thank you and i quite enjoyed what you said and i have learned a lot of things out of this conversation thank you so much for your time thank you so much yeah it was nice talking to you as well thank you thank you 
Thanks for listening to this episode. For selected links and detailed show notes, visit www.contraminds.com/blog. Follow Contraminds on social media and let us know who you would like to see next on the podcast. If you are listening to Contraminds on Apple Podcasts, do share your comments and give us a rating. We are keen to know what you are thinking. Contraminds is also on YouTube. If you are listening to the podcast on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and stay up to date on all our releases. Thanks for listening and stay safe.